Good to see you. How's everybody doing? Good, good. I hope you're having a great weekend. Um, you know, it's really it's just so fun for us to be able to, to see and to celebrate what God is doing week in and week out in our midst. Last weekend, we had our, our parent-child dedications, and uh, it was just so fun after those to just to hear some of the stories of what God is doing in the lives of people. So we celebrate that together. I, I also I want to start off this morning by mentioning two things to you. The first one is kind of family news, and so this is really just intended for those of you that would call Brookside your home church. Um, we've been talking to you the last uh, three weeks about our financial situation as a church. Uh, three weeks ago, uh, we let you know that coming out of February, we missed a Sunday, and um, and we were seeing a trend of our are um, not, of us not meeting budget. And uh, it was getting to the point where we were about $80,000 behind budget, which was uh, very concerning to us as a church. And so we brought that to your attention. And uh, two weeks ago, um, just wanted to give you an update on that. Two weeks ago, our offering exceeded our budget, and uh, we celebrate that. And that um, took us from about 80000 in the hole to only 26000 and, uh, and then last week, I want to celebrate this with you as well. We exceeded our budget yet again for the second week in a row, and we have eliminated us being behind budget. And so that's just great. Yeah, so praise God for that. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, it's just, uh, it's really fun to, uh, to think about what God can do through this church. And uh, it gives us even more confidence and more excitement to think about and to prepare for what we're going to be talking to you about in the fall and some of the big things that we really sense that God has for us and that the direction that God is moving our church in some pretty exciting ways uh, as we really seek to bless the city and as we seek to be a place that continues to lead more and more people to find and follow Jesus Christ. And so it's exciting. Um, remember Steve's challenge. His challenge was big to us. I loved it. He said, you know, I challenge everybody that we would be um, a church that we're meeting budget, that we meet budget every week throughout the remainder of this year. And uh, we know that takes everybody kind of living with that mindset of, God, you've given me so much, and I'm going to take the first portion of it, and I'm going to dedicate that to you. So just I want you to hear thank you this morning. Um, thank you for your investment in what God is doing in this place. Um, it's, it's significant. So, um, And then secondly, I wanted to uh, encourage you to pray along with our staff um, and uh, our church together for our middle school students. They are headed out. Uh, they left yesterday uh, for one of the more impoverished areas uh, in Nashville, and they're going to be doing a week-long mission trip there. And what's so fun and exciting to think about and to, to really ask you to be praying for uh, with this trip is we see time and time again that God gets a hold of the life of someone in the next generation on trips like this oftentimes, and he changes really the trajectory of their life and uses it for grand kingdom purposes. And so would encourage you, be praying for that. We're excited to, uh, to hear what, what God does uh, on that trip. I'm also curious to see if Jack Archer will come back wearing cowboy boots from Nashville, you know, so... <laughs> Well, today we're in a two, in part two of our series called Life Hacks, and um, before we jump into our text today, I'd love for us just to pray together and to go to God with just an open heart and say, Lord, uh, would you speak to us in a fresh way, knowing that the, the kind of God that you are, that he'll deliver on that. So would you pray with me, and, uh, and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the lives of people. Um, Lord, we want to continue to see you doing more and more in our midst. Lord, we love it. And we're excited to be a part of it. And this morning, we're just praying, Lord, we're asking you because we know that you listen to us. Um, you know that you know that some have had a great week and some are in maybe a trial right now. Um, but, Lord, you care deeply for us. And, Lord, you want to speak a fresh word to us. The scriptures say that you lead us, that you guide us, and that you see us, and we know that. And so right now, would you even just, um, in the kind of the quietness of your own heart, would you just say, 
Lord, would you speak to me in a fresh way this morning? So go ahead and just have that, again, just have that kind of a conversation because God will honor it. So say to the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you honor prayers like that. And um, when we open ourselves to you, you come right along in and respond. And so thank you for that, Lord. And uh, we pray you would direct us. Now, Lord, I pray that as I unpack these verse, this verse for us today, that the words in my mouth would truly be honoring to you and that you would really guide and direct. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, does everybody know what a life hack is? A life hack is something that is oftentimes pretty small that can add a significant value uh, to your life. Um, some examples of life hacks, some are humorous, some are very, very practical. Uh, let me show you just a couple here this morning. This one's very practical. Any uh, sweet corn lovers getting excited for that to come around? So this is a mess-free way for you to be able to get the sweet corn off the cob. Now, this next one is just in time for the College World Series, and uh, here it is. Yeah, isn't that that great? Aren't you glad you came to church today? I mean, yeah, how helpful, right? It's actually disgusting. But but Pastor Steve said this last weekend that the Proverbs are full of life hacks. The Proverbs are full of these nuggets of wisdom, 631 of them to be exact. Let me ask you, have you ever sat across from somebody and they were talking to you and as they did, you knew that, oh wow, this person is wise. This person, the things that they're saying to me, it's as though they're downloading one nugget of wisdom after another and you sat there and you were so grateful that you had that conversation. When we get to the book of Proverbs, what we're finding as we look at these different life hacks is it's like that. It's as though the Lord is saying to us, let me impart some wisdom to you, some wisdom to you that will be incredibly significant, that will be able to shape your life. It's a gift for us to be able to look at this one we're going to look at today. It is no exception as a game changer um, for your life. So here it is. Life hack number two is this. Above all else, guard your heart. That's the life hack. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Now, let me just say that this verse might be familiar to you. You might hear that and you might go, oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that taught before. I've read that before. It's meant a lot to me. Maybe you've even memorized it. That's not a bad thing. But let me encourage you this morning. Don't put this verse in the familiar file. Let this be one that you take the time this morning that you really dig into it. It's been a gift to me this week to have studied this verse in detail. And so we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to work through this thing kind of word by word and, and really unpack the significance of what it has for us. But there's one word that I want to point out to us that we need to look at first because it really lays a foundation for us to be able to understand this whole verse in its context. And it's this word here, above all else, guard your heart. We need to understand what do the scriptures mean when they talk about the heart. Now imagine somebody came to you and they said, um, man, I fell down last week and I broke my wrist and you saw the cast on their arm and uh, maybe your response would be something like this. You might say, wow, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. When do you get your cast off? Okay, so that'd be that situation. But imagine somebody comes to you, somebody you know, and they say, I just experienced a heart attack. And I just got out of the hospital. I had to have open heart surgery. Now imagine your response, the the different level that it would be at. In your mind, you would be thinking, whoa, the heart? 
You, you, had, a, you had open heart surgery? Whoa, a mat, that's, a, that's a big deal. That's on a whole different level. It's a life and death thing you might even be thinking in your mind. Now, if I were to ask you this morning this question, how would you respond? If I said to you, how's your heart? If I said, how, how, how are you doing like on the, in, how are you doing at your core? Some of you might say, well, my heart is good. I'm in a good place. I mean, life's going pretty well. I'm kind of soft to the things of God. Things are going well. Others of you, you might say, my, my heart is, it's kind of hard. Or maybe you would say, my heart is anxious, or my heart just feels a little bit overwhelmed by what's kind of going on in my life. Or maybe you would say, no, I'm, I'm in the red. I, I would say my heart is in a, it's in a bad place. It's, it's not going well at all. Just speaking personally, I can, and when I ask myself that question, there are times when I would say of my own life, wow, I feel like my heart is soft to God. I'm hearing his voice, I'm sensing his leading, I, my times with him are, are great, but then there are other times where I would say, I can see how my heart is growing cold. And I can see the, the signs of, ooh, kind of danger. Well, how's my heart doing? Um, it's a key question. The heart is serious. To, to drive this whole serious matter home, I was teaching this verse to a group of middle school students years ago, and, and so just to kind of add some emphasis to it, I got a fresh cow heart, blood and all, and I just carried it around as I paced throughout the whole talk. And I'm not sure they heard a word that I said, but they were very attentive, right? But I wanted to communicate to them, the heart is a big deal. The heart is a life or death thing. And when we look at the scriptures this morning, what we're going to see is that it's all over the place. And what Jesus would say to us is, I care about your heart. This is a foundational question that we need to ask this morning. Here it is. What do the scriptures say about the heart? What do the scriptures say? When we think of our natural response about the heart, oftentimes we might think of feelings or emotions. If you watch game five of the NBA finals tonight, you might hear the announcers say something like, these guys are playing with a lot of heart tonight, aren't they? And what they're saying is they're playing with a lot of passion. They're playing with a level of intensity that's, that's captivating. But what we see in the scriptures is this, there is no divorce between the head, which is oftentimes when we think about the heart, we, we dismiss it from thinking and the mind. But when we look at the scriptures, what we're going to see is that, that there is no contrast between the two. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the very core of who we are. It's much bigger than just simply feelings. One author put it like this. He said that this is the heart. He said it's the executive center of our lives. It's ultimately directing the actions of our lives. It determines the, the course of our lives. It's the source of two things, our decisions and our desires. It comes from the heart. Those big things, decisions and desires, they come from within. One translation of this key verse, Proverbs 4.23, that we're looking at this morning, it says this. It says that from your heart flows the springs of life. Another says that your heart, it's like the, 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 imagine this, it's the wellspring of life. Another says that your heart, what does it do? It determines the course of your life. We also see in the scriptures, though, that our hearts are broken. We see that from very, found, very uh, throughout the, the, the scriptures, going clear back to the book of Genesis, and we see it bleed all the way through Many of you, most of you would not disagree with that. You would say that intrinsically, you would say that the general uh, uh, drift of your heart is not to probably great things. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
We see when we get to Mark chapter 7 that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he wants them to understand, thinking about the heart. He says, you've got these external actions, these things that you do. But he's saying, I want you to know that those things don't just happen on their own. Those things flow from the most important part of you. He says they flow from the heart. So Jesus said this to them, Mark 7. He said, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And he lists this long list. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside, and they defile a person. Again, what Jesus was saying there was this. It comes from the heart. Those things just don't happen on their own, but there's a source. They come right from the heart. It's no wonder this morning that when we get to the wisdom of the Proverbs, the Proverbs say this, don't ignore your heart. There's certain things you might go through life and say, ah, I'll get to that later. I'll prioritize that later. But there are certain things that scriptures would say, no, 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 like a matter of your heart, you don't want to ignore that. You want to give that high attention. You might jot this down. This is our main point for this morning. Here it is. Take most care of what matters most deeply. Take most care. Give the most thought. Give the most attention. Even, I would say this, give the most time to the things that matter most deeply. A matter of the heart would be one of those. God said to Samuel, he said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart because God knows the heart is the center. The, the heart from every, from it, everything flows. John Ortberg, who's a, a pastor and an author, he wrote a book that I'm, I'm working through right now. It's called Soul Keeping. It's and the, 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 the subline is caring for the most important part of you. And in this book, he tells this story that I want to read to you because it really sets up, it gives us a great picture of what the heart is and even the impact of it. So let me read this to you. He writes, there once was a man high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a, there was, sorry, there once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by streams that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Imagine this. Children laughed and they played beside it. Swans and geese, they swam on it. And you could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. Sounds like a nice place to visit, right? It's awesome. High in the hills, it says, far beyond any one sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. And he would travel from spring to spring over in the hills, removing branches from, from uh, fallen trees and debris, anything that might pollute the water. But his work, here it is, his work was unseen. One year the town council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervises the old man anyway, and they had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer, and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that they could no longer afford. So the man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. Yet, for a time, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of the sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. 
the life of the village depended on the stream. And the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council reconvened. The money was found. The old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were clean. The, the stream was, ran pure. The children played again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health. And swans came home. And the village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The stream is your soul. It's your heart, and you are the keeper. What we see throughout the scriptures is this. When we talk about matters of the heart, matters of the soul, we know this. It's not a one and done. It's not a, oh, I got my heart right, and now I can leave this subject. This life hack, guard your heart, it's a topic that we have to go back to over and over again because it, it takes continual work for us to keep our hearts in the right place. You might know what this is like to be true. You might know what it's like when your heart grows hard to something, and all of a sudden you begin to see the signs of it, but others around you begin to feel it. You begin to see, oh, wow, I'm not acting the way I, that I used to, and you know it's a heart issue, but the other people around you, they begin to feel it, right? They can just, they can tell. It's a big deal. What do we do? We take most care of what matters most deeply. Take most care. Don't ignore it. Take most care. Guard your heart of what matters most deeply. A mentor of mine just shared this with me. This is so helpful. It's impacted the way that we parent. He shared this with me. He said, on, he said um, when, when you're around your kids, he said, ask them different questions, but ask them those same questions frequently. And so I've kind of got a, a short list of questions. One of them is this. A question that I ask my kids, whether we're on a date or I'm putting them to bed at night, I try to do this several times a week. I say, how's your heart? And what that tells me is when we ask that, it tells me their answer boils down how life is going really, really well. It tells me, how are you at the core? How are you, how are you really doing. It's impacted how we pray for them. We pray, Lord, would you give them soft hearts? As I think about our church, we pray this for the church. We say, Lord, would you help Brookside be a people that our hearts are soft to you so that when you speak, Lord, we hear it and we move on it because you are a great God and we want to do that. But that takes, it takes a soft heart. I want to dive now deeply into this verse. So here we are, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And I want to say this, just some context of, of where the Proverbs are going here. When we look at the first nine Proverbs, what we see is it's really, it's talking about the value of wisdom. It's celebrating the value of wisdom, and it's contrasting wisdom to foolishness. And so what the writer of Proverbs is saying over and over again is, this is the path of wisdom, this is the path of foolishness, and then he's just continually going at us and saying, choose wisdom. And, and you should think of it this way this morning. God looks at you. God looks at me. He looks at your life. He looks at mine. And he says, I love you. And so please, would you choose the path of wisdom? The first three words really set the tone of the importance of this life hack. Here they are. Above all else. Meaning this. When you consider everything above all else, life hack, guard your heart. When you look at the verses that lead us up to verse 23, here's what we see in Proverbs chapter 4. We see that they're talking about different parts of our body that um, can react to wisdom. So, for instance, it says, when you hear words of wisdom, it says, use your ears and listen to those. And then it says, well, when you, when you see things that are wise, be attentive to that. Uh, 
Watch what you kind of what, what your sight focuses on. And then it says, with your feet, it says, your feet are going to take you down different paths. It says, let your feet take you down the wise path. So your sight, what you say, what your mouth, your feet, your ears, what you hear. But here's the thing, right in the middle of it, he says this, but above all, you got your ears, you got your sight, all that, but above all, guard your heart. Above everything else, this is the big one, he says, guard your heart, take most care of what matters most deeply. We see several examples throughout the gospel where Jesus noticed that there were very religious people who had misplaced the priority of their hearts. Jesus noticed that there were people that were outwardly looking very religious. They might have been singing the right songs, or doing the right things, or showing up on whatever it would be. They were religious. And what Jesus, what he did is time and time again, he went back to them and he drove them to the heart of the issue. He drove them to their hearts. You might be here today and you're kind of returning back to church. Maybe you've been gone for a long time. And the reason why you were gone for a long time is because you got up close to somebody who put on a religious facade. And it made you mad. And you thought, well, if, if that's what following Jesus is about, if it's only skin deep and, and that's what it is, then you, you kind of wash your hands of it for a time. Know this, when Jesus sees this happening, when he interacts with people like this, he spoke very harshly to them because out of his love, he's saying, I want to drive you away from the external and I want to drive you right to the heart because the heart above all else matters. So he said this in Matthew chapter 23. He says, woe to you, he speaks very strongly here, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Jesus speaks so harshly to this group because he cares about their heart. And he knows that their religious activity, oh, it's good and it's great, but he's saying, Without the connection to the heart, he's saying it's meaningless. They shouldn't even bother. The heart is what matters most. We see a very similar thing when you look at Isaiah chapter 29, and Jesus would quote this later, and it's, it's quite a picture. It says this. It says, these people, speaking of this group, it says these people, Isaiah 20, these people, they honor me with their lips, but he says their hearts, they're far from me. And then he makes this crucial statement. He says those that... They, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He says, their worship is in vain. Meaning this, I would rather they didn't even show up. I would rather they didn't even sing to me because their heart isn't with me. Jesus petitioned them, take most care of what matters most deeply. It's interesting, the psalmist put it like this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul. So he said that first, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he put this with it. And, and then he said, and uh, let me just get it right. I forgot it. And what did he say, everyone? Here it is. And all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's first. And then he said, and all that is with me, meaning this, all that is within me cannot be disconnected from my soul. That's the place where it originates. Bless the Lord, O my soul, first. When that's right, then all that is within me. Let's keep going. Look with me at the, the next uh, word here. It says this. Above all else, here it is. This is an important word. Guard your heart. Um, when you guard something, what do you do? You, you protect it. When you guard something, I mean, if you're walking down uh, the, the t Target parking lot and a car comes around the corner and I've got my four-year-old, what do I do? Boy, I grab the four-year-old. I put myself on the side where I would get hit by the car and not him. I want to protect him. Why? 
because he's of great value. And this proverb, this life hack is saying, you guard what is most important, ruthlessly. You talk to someone in law enforcement or a secret service agent or someone in the special forces, they'll tell you this. When you think about protecting, when you think about guarding something, they'll say, you don't take that lightly. You're ruthless about that. You don't go into it just half-heartedly. If you're going to really protect something, it's a big deal. They would even say that you don't just focus on just the problem. You have a, this layered approach where you would say, well, I'm going to protect it not just at this level, but I'm going to look at every single situation. And I'm going to say, okay, is there anything that I'm underestimating even the impact that could have on my heart? Are there any dangers that I'm not even aware of? Is there anything that I'm letting slip in that might compromise the well-being of what I'm trying to guard, what I'm trying to protect? That's a huge deal. If you have something of great value, you protect it. I asked this question for us this week as I was preparing. It was this, Lord, what are the greatest enemies of the heart for us? Church, what, what do you think? I mean, what are the greatest enemies of the heart? I said, Lord, what are the greatest enemies of the heart for me, for Brookside? There were three things that came to mind. If you're taking notes, maybe just jot these three down. As we go through these, ask yourself the question. Remember, God, out of his wisdom and his love, he says, I want you to guard your heart because from your heart all things flow. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, but it starts with my soul, with my heart. So here's the first one. This one is really subtle, but I, I think its impact is powerful. It's one word, hurry. Being rushed all the time, being so busy that you feel no sense of peace, that is an enemy to the heart. If your schedule, you would say, drives you instead of you driving your schedule, instead of you being the master of your schedule, you're the slave to your, to your schedule, then that's probably a thriving enemy to your heart. It's when you're kind of, you run around and you say, you know what, I've got certain priorities in my life, but my schedule doesn't reflect my priorities. When those two get flip-flopped, that becomes a, a thriving enemy to your heart. Maybe for you, you'd say, if you have children, you'd say, actually, it's my kids' schedule that, that drives what, what's going on. And I would just say to you, because I have to say this to myself as a young parent, the activities that my kids are a part of, they're important. But above that, how is their heart? I have to care more about the condition of my kids' heart than if they win a trophy, whether they get a great grade, whatever that would be. So ask the question again, what is it doing? What's the schedule doing to your heart? Because you know this as well as I do. Any relationship takes time. You don't cultivate an intimate, good relationship with anyone without time and intentionality and space. And so let me encourage you on that. Ask yourself that question, is hurry an enemy to your heart? Number two, here it is. A second enemy to the heart is unconfessed sin. It takes a lot of effort, doesn't it? You might know this to be so true. It takes a lot of effort to cover something up. It takes a lot of effort to live with this bondage of, I've kind of got this secret that I don't want to tell, and I don't want to come clean, and if I did, then that'll create all sorts of mess, but you know, and it just grates at you, and it weighs, and it beats up your heart. My encouragement for you this morning, though, is to remember the gospel, remember the message of Jesus Christ. He says this, God, what does he do? He opposes the proud. He opposes the one who covers. He opposes the one who lets unconfessed sin go on. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the one that would say, yeah, I messed up. And yeah, this is going to be, whoa, this is going to be rough. 
But he gives grace to the one who takes that bold step and says, you know what, I'm coming clean because of Christ. I love James chapter 5. It says this, confess your sins to each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Meaning this, when, when you confess, when you get right, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm acknowledging the fact that I have a broken heart. My heart is not right. It's hard. But what you're doing is you're putting it before God and you're saying, okay, God, would you take what is broken and he will do this. He will mend it and he will make it right. I love Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is it's about David. It's his words. And David was an adulterer and David was a murderer. And after David's been confronted with his sin, instead of continuing to hide and hide and hide it, he comes clean. And he says to God, he says, oh, Lord, would you create in me a pure heart, oh, God? Would you create in me a heart, Lord, that, that is pure? I know that I've been wrong. I know that my heart, it is tainted by sin. But he says, Lord, would you create in me a clean heart, oh, God, a pure heart? And then after that, I love this, he said, and would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? Meaning this, if my heart's pure, then we're going to get back on track. And God, you're going to renew this steadfast of you, the spirit of God in me, using my life. But what did he do? He had to come clean. Number three, enemy of the heart, is this. It's misplaced affection. Again, this is the third one that I felt like the Lord um, brought to mind this week. Misplaced affection. This means whether it be people or stuff, whatever it would be, that other things get your utmost joy and your utmost priority above Jesus Christ. It's your affections. It's when your affections go to the top, the, the, the height of your affections go, go to things other than the one who made you that's worthy of all of our affections. Um, Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 6. He said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning, whatever you treasure in life, that's where your heart is going to be. Your treasure is going to be linked to your heart. And so Jesus was saying, if you treasure anything else but me, your heart, the core, the most important, the thing you got to guard, he's saying, it won't be in the right place. And then he went on to say this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What Jesus was saying, this wasn't so much about money, he was saying this. I'm saying, I, I want you to know that if, if you put anything as number one, as it's your treasure, he's saying if you put that above me, it's going to be a reflection of your heart. This is why I'm convinced that when you read the Old Testament, what was their practice? They had a practice of you get, you give. It's a practice of tithing where... God said, okay, from from long, long time ago, he said, I want you to get in this practice of so that you're, you don't grip stuff. I want you to think through the grid of you're generous because when you're generous, when you live open-handedly, Jesus is saying, hey, this is going to be a reflection of your heart. Jesus went even beyond that. He's like, man, forget the tithe. He's saying, be generous. But what was that practice all about? It was about this. It was about setting this tone where, okay, my grip is not on stuff. My grip is on God. I don't let my stuff have a grip on me. This is why I think Deuteronomy 6, God said this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Meaning this, have your grip so tightly on him. Prioritize him above all. This is a good guiding question, I think, on this one. Here it is. What do I treasure most, and is it evident? So ask yourself, what? What do I treasure most? And then maybe think about what are the people around me 
what do they think I treasure most? Is it evident that what I think I treasure most is really true? And then look at this last part. It says this, above all else, guard your heart. And here it is, I love this, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. When your heart is in the right place before God, when it's soft before God, look out. (laughs) Because God is going to use your life. You're going to be an incredible blessing. You're going to latch on to the great things that God has for you. But it starts at the heart. Years ago, there was a guy named Bob Pierce, and he was traveling abroad, and and he was seeing different third world countries and beyond. And and in one of those places, he saw just incredible poverty, but even more pointedly, he saw one child after another who was neglected and who was just a product of a poor environment. And he saw one day one too many of those, and Bob Pierce said, okay, no more. And so he began to pray a very simple prayer, but it was a prayer that that welled up in his heart. It says this, he said, let my heart be broken, God, with the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken for the things that break the heart of God. And it moved him. Now notice, he didn't start with some external action point, but he said, at the heart level, God, would you break me? Years later, he founded what we now know as Samaritan's Purse, an organization that helps millions and millions. But where did it start? It started with the heart. It started with saying, oh, God, would you, would you take my life? Would you help me to see things how you see them? Would you help me, Lord, to have such a soft heart that I'm sensitive to things just the way that you are? You know, some of you, I believe, are here this morning, and you're aware That there was a time when you knew what God had for your life. And you knew God had a dream for your life. And maybe it was the kind of person that you thought, you know what? I could be that kind of a person that would be honoring to God. Or you knew that God had put on your heart, I want to be in that kind of relationship. Or maybe it was something very specific that you sensed, this is what God wants me to do. But it was at dream level. It was a big thing. And over time, you've let your guard down. Your guard has gone down. And I just want to encourage you this morning, you can wipe the dust off of that dream and you can get back on track. Because here's the thing, when you go before God and you say, you know what, I let my guard down, my heart has been, whatever, my heart is ashamed, my heart's anxious, whatever it is, Jesus Christ, he is the master of this. This is what he does. This is the message of the scriptures, is that God looks at the core of you. He looks at the core of me and he says, I can redeem that. I can take what you might have written off and I can rebirth that dream. You don't have to just kind of forget about it and say, yeah, not anymore. No, God would say to you this morning, his love and his grace, he would say, guard your heart. Pursue what I have for you. I want to leave you with this. The greatest thing that I believe that you can do to guard your heart is to make sure that you've got a good one. And here's what I mean by that. The book of Ezekiel, it says this very plainly. It says, God speaking, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And, and I will remove from you your heart of stone. Meaning this, that, that God looks at us and he says, okay, regardless of what kind of condition your heart comes in here today, God says, by my grace, by my love, through the love of Jesus Christ, through the gospel, through him dying for us so that we might know him, he says, I'll take your heart of stone and I'll replace it. I'll give, you, I'll give you a new heart. I'm blown away by the incredible grace of God. It is so good. 
It says to the person that regardless of where you're at, it says your heart might be anxious, it might be ashamed, whatever it would be. God looks at your heart and he says, I can take that heart of stone. I can give you a new heart. And I can put you back on that path where you're, you're hearing me and your heart is soft to me. I can be the one who can redeem your heart. And so this morning our life hack is very simple. Above all else, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Take most care of what matters most. Let me pray for us as we apply this to our lives. So, yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you for Proverbs 4.23. Lord, thank you for this reality that, Lord, you look at us and you don't abandon us. Lord, you don't leave us. But you look at our hearts and you say, okay, the heart's not right. That's a big deal. But God, then you come in with your love and your grace. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that this morning. And Brookside Church, I, I just want to just give you a moment here just before the Lord. And I would encourage you to carry this moment later on to the, into the day. But take just a moment and just ask yourself here, how's my heart? Is there anything in my heart that's just not right? Is there, is there any conf- unconfessed sin that it won't be fun, but it will be worth it? for me to come clean. God opposes the proud, but he gives such good grace to the humble. Lord, help us to look at our lives. Maybe look at your schedule. Okay, okay, is my schedule, does it really line up with what I think is important in life? Does my schedule serve my priorities? And then we look at that last area, Lord, and we just say, you know what, Lord, anything that we have, Lord, we want to be open-handed because we know that what we do with our stuff is a big reflection of what goes on inside of our heart. And so, God, would you give us the grace to to be obedient to you? And, Father, we thank you. We thank you that, Lord, you are the master of the heart, Lord. And we thank you that we can approach you today with grace and confidence. And what you'll do in our lives, we are so grateful for. And so we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.